Well, good morning. Welcome to Renewal Church. My name is Jerry Kirk. I'm the pastor here, and I am glad that you are here today. I think God has a divine appointment with you. We are introducing the series 40 Days with Jesus, so let me clarify something. The 40 Days officially starts next Sunday, seven days from today. We're going to do a week of prayer and fasting this week to prepare for that. This is also a chance for you to get into a group so you can study and go through 40 Days with Jesus with some friends if you want to be a part of that. Um, but today we're going to introduce the topic. Now, I did not grow up as a Christian. I didn't grow up in a, in a Christian home. Mom is Jewish. Dad is Protestantly irreligious is the best thing I've come up with to describe my father. And um, I just, it just wasn't a part of our, our home or our life. We didn't talk about faith. We didn't talk about God. And um, so what shaped my life the most was the values my parents put in me, but then also the people I spent time with. Have you noticed that about, about your life is that the people that you spend the most time with have a dramatic and shaping impact on your life? When I was in high school, I started hanging out with the goth crowd. Isn't that hilarious to think about? I mean, it was like black, but you know, it was, it's one of those things where when you're trying to rebel against authority, you're like, I'm going to be so different. I'm going to be an individual. I'm not going to be like everybody else. And then you, uh, you act differently in exactly the same way as everyone else. You know what I'm talking about? And so it was like black boots, black pants, black eyeliner. And that was just the guys. So, you know, that was me. I was I was, I was in that crowd, and I was, and I was affected by them, and I, I dressed like them, and I started to talk like them. And then also, of course, as a part of that, I started to do drugs like my friends were doing, and so I did all the drugs that they were doing, that they were stealing from their parents. And, um, you know, it's just who you spend time with shapes you. I've heard it said like this, that you are a reflection of your five closest relationships. You believe that? You're a reflection of your five closest relationships. Now, what happened in my life was, was pretty amazing, was that when I was 17 years old, my Jewish mom brought me to a, to a Baptist church, and Jesus got a hold of my life. And some really dramatic things started to happen as Jesus changed me from the inside out. And so he started to do a deep work in me. But part of the way that God did that in my life was through bringing new friends and new people into my life. Because when I spent time with those people, my, my values started to shift and reflect. Uh, they taught me what it, was, what it was like to walk with Jesus. And so that same high school where I was hanging out with black eyeliner, I also found Christian kids that went there after I came to faith in Jesus and I started hanging out with them. And, and God changed what I cared about and what I pursued and who I was and how I thought about things and my attitude. Who you spend time with changes you. And I bet... When you look at your own life, if you could go back and pick some friends that you say, if I could go back in time and not spend time with those people, my life would be better today. I bet you could think of a couple people like that. And there's also a couple people in your life, whether it's from your past or your present, that you say, the more time I spend with that person, the better I become as a person. You have anybody like that in your life? I have a few. My wife is one of those people. The more time I spend with my wife, Heather, the stronger I get as a man. So here's the premise behind 40 Days with Jesus. When you spend time with Jesus, you grow, you change, you see the world differently. And it's not just, it's not just like when you spend time with friends and they shape the way that you see the world. This is so much bigger than that because Jesus is not just an extraordinary person. Jesus is the Christ. And so when you look in the Bible, anyone who spent time with Jesus, it was a, it was a pivotal watershed moment in their life. 
Some people came to test him. Some people came to try him, and it didn't necessarily, they didn't walk away changed. But the people who came and sat at Jesus' feet and said, I just want to be with Jesus. I want to spend time with Jesus. I want to learn from Jesus. Jesus, teach me. Those people, their life was radically changed by him. And so I believe that if you dedicate yourself to spend 40 days with Jesus, God will change your life. Whether you are, have been a Christian for a long time, you're brand new to the faith, or maybe you're investigating Christianity, when you spend time with Jesus, you come away changed. So today is an introduction to 40 days with Jesus. I'm going to lay, it's a, it's a little bit of a different message. I'm going to lay out 40 days with Jesus and, and the commitments that you can make if you'd like to over the next 40 days that starts next Sunday. But I want to explain why we picked 40 days with Jesus. And first, and we're going to end up in Luke chapter 19. So go ahead and open a Bible. We'll get there in a few minutes. But in the meantime, let's talk about 40 days before we get to the, to the story in Luke 19. We said, why, why pick 40 days? 40 days is a spiritually significant time in the Bible. Um, let's think about it. Uh, it rained for 40 days and 40 nights on Noah. Moses went up on the mountain of God, and he was up on the mountain of God for 40 days and 40 nights on Mount Sinai receiving the law. Jesus was tempted for 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness. Now, the more, the more we research this and the more I looked at this, you say, like, what does 40 days mean? Well, it, it, it depends on the scenario because in Noah, God was purifying, in Moses, Moses' 40 days, God was revealing himself. In uh, Jesus' 40 days, God was testing or testing Jesus. And so it means different things. But, but what, what's happening in the Bible when 40 days occurs is it's supposed to clue you in to say something spiritual is happening here. When you see 40 days in the Bible, it means that God is working. And that's the, the first point in your notes today. Bring up that slide for us. God is working as of 40 days. So in your, in your notes, write that down. 40 days is the time when God is working. And so we wanted to set aside 40 days where we narrow our focus, where we get laser focused on spending time with Jesus to set aside a time when God can be at work in our lives. Now, there's another time when uh, 40 days shows up in the Bible, and it's not as, maybe not as famous as Noah or Moses or Jesus, but it's right after Jesus dies on the cross and then rises from the dead. In the book of Acts, it tells us that there's a 40-day period that happens between when Jesus rose from the dead and when he ascended into heaven. Look at Acts 1-3. Let me read this to you. During the 40 days after he suffered and died... He appeared, that's Jesus, he appeared to the apostles from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And I would think appearing to them would be a really good way for him to prove that, right? It says, and he talked to them about the kingdom of God. So think about that for a second. The disciples, when Jesus is crucified, the, the, the way the story goes is that the disciples all fled from Jesus. You know, the, the people are coming to arrest him, and there's a mob, and they think they're like, they're like, they're kind of they're getting jacked up about like this conflict that's coming. They're like, we're going to stick with you to the end, Jesus. We're never going to deny you. We're going to fight to the death if we have to. I mean, in fact, we got a couple of swords here. There's Peter. He's cutting people's ears off. He's just like, he's an ear cutter, man. He's going after people. But then when they finally arrest Jesus, everyone scatters. Everyone denies Jesus. Everyone just kind of watches from a distance as Jesus suffers and dies. And Judas betrays him and nobody does anything about that. And so you have these disciples that all ran away, but then they spend 40 days with Jesus and he's teaching them, he's talking to them. At the end of the 40 days, he gives them the Holy Spirit 
and then they turn the whole world upside down. And so the same people who denied Jesus or betrayed Jesus, they're the ones who, who, who completely changed the course of Western civilization. Whether you believe that Jesus is God or not, you can know for a fact that these 12 people changed the course of Western civilization. What happened was they spent 40 days with Jesus. And so this 40 days for you is an invitation to be with Jesus and to receive what you need from Jesus so that you can do the work that he has called you to do. So the question for you and I becomes, what do you need in the next 40 days? What do you need in the next 40 days? Are you beginning a new endeavor in your life and you need strength for the journey and resolve to persevere? You need to seek that over the next 40 days. Do you need clarity and direction in your life from God? Maybe about you know, what job to go to next or whether to go back to school. Seek it over the next 40 days. Maybe you need deep, meaningful, lasting change in your life to root out the behaviors and patterns that keep you from sabotaging your life, and you need, to, you need those gone from your life. Jesus can change you. Seek that from him over the next 40 days. Maybe you need a breakthrough in a relationship. Perhaps your marriage has grown distant and cold, or you have a relationship with a family member that is strained to the point of breaking. Seek that breakthrough from Jesus over the next 40 days. Or maybe you're like me. You know, this 40 days with Jesus thing, it's not just for you, it's for me too, because I, I need Jesus in my life. And my faith, uh, my faith is, it, it's, it's at a tough place right now. I have this rock-solid belief in God. I have this rock-solid belief in Jesus, but just believing God for greater things in the future is, is just very difficult for me right now. And I just, I need to be with Jesus, because I, I, I can't manufacture that. I don't, want to, I don't want to manufacture that. I don't want to stand in front of people and pretend like I have faith that I don't have. That's toxic. And like, I need that from Jesus. And that's what I'm seeking from Jesus over the next 40 days. I want to feel his presence. And you know, maybe, you know, you've got things going in your life that you need to seek from God, but maybe what you need to seek more than anything else is to just be with Jesus in a way that you've lost in your life. And it's like, you're going through the motions and you're doing the things, but it's like, I just need to be with Jesus. There's a great story in the Bible, it's not in your notes today, about Mary and Martha, these two sisters, and they, they get together, and, and I'm a terrible Bible scholar, so I can't remember. One of them works and one of them sits at the feet of Jesus. Which one works? Martha. All, did you hear that was all women? They were all like, the Martha, it's like you've been to a few women's conferences, right? And they preached on Martha and Mary. So Martha's working and Mary's sitting at the feet of Jesus and, 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 um, and Martha's getting mad because Mary's not doing any work. He's like, Jesus, come on, like, what's, we, got, we got the party going on, we got the whole thing going on, like, like tell, her to get to, tell her to get to work. It's like, you know, in my house, if somebody's working, all the kids have to work. Like, you can't sit around and not do anything while mom's working. It's like, hey, get up and do something. And so, you know, Martha says that to Mary, and Jesus says, listen, Mary's figured it out. She's figured out the most important thing of life, which is just being in the presence of Jesus, being in my presence, Jesus would say. And I'm not going to take that away from her. Maybe you need that in your life where you need to abide in Jesus again and be deeply and meaningfully connected to Jesus over the next 40 days, and that's what you need to seek more than anything else. You just need more of God in your life. You're thirsty for that. Your soul longs for that. You've been so ground down by the, just the everyday of life and living in the city and, the, and taking the tea. I mean, good grief. If you don't need Jesus after riding on the tea for years, like, I don't know what's wrong with you. And so you just need Jesus in your life. All right, seek that over the next 40 days because Jesus says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. We heard that earlier today, didn't we? From God. Okay. 
So I don't know what you need, but I believe that God gives you what you most desperately need when you spend time with Jesus. Doesn't always give you what you want, but he gives you what you need. That's the power of spending 40 days with Jesus. Now, in just a second, we're going to look in Luke chapter 19 at a guy who didn't spend 40 days with Jesus. He spent 40 minutes with Jesus, and it changed the trajectory of his whole life. Right? That's the power of spending time with him. And, and he, he was a guy in, in Luke 19. He's a guy named Zacchaeus. Now, Zacchaeus, if you're new to Christianity, Zacchaeus is super famous in the Bible. He's like one of the like top five people that people know what the deal is with Zacchaeus. And you think, oh, like, like, is he like a great miracle worker? No, not why Zacchaeus is famous. So you think, oh, Zacchaeus must just be like this guy of like incredible faith. It's like Abraham and Moses and Zacchaeus, not why Zacchaeus is famous. You think like, oh, maybe he helped the poor so much? No. Those of you who are in Awana, all my Bible, all my Bible school kids, my VBS people, help me out. Zacchaeus is famous because Zacchaeus was a, and a, was he, yeah, wow, what that was, ain't no cubby of the year in here, you, you fail, you flunk, you're out, Zacchaeus is in the Bible because he's short, and I just think like, dude, that's brutal because the Bible is an eternal document, and so you're going to be chilling in heaven, like, think about Zacchaeus, you get to heaven, and they're like, man, they put you in the Bible by name, because they put all kinds of people in the Bible that didn't even get named, like, they put you in the Bible to get named, it's like, cool, that's amazing, what did God say about you? He's like, man, I don't want, can we talk about something else? I mean, Zacchaeus is actually super short, and the Bible does Say it. So here's my goal for us today as we study the, the story of Zacchaeus is I want him to go from a coloring page in a kid's book to this real person who had a 40-minute encounter with Jesus that it radically changed his life. That's my goal for this morning. But to understand Zacchaeus' story, you have to back up one chapter in the Bible into Luke 18. There's a story before Zacchaeus about a rich man who comes to Jesus. It's often called the rich young ruler. And this guy comes to Jesus, and he asks the only question you want to ask Jesus if you come into his presence. Like, this guy asked the question. If I said to you, you get two minutes with Jesus, you get one question, what are you going to ask him? Go. This guy asked the right question. He says, uh, let me get it right, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, that's a good question if you're in the presence of Jesus. He says, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, basically, like, man, you know all the commandments, and then the guy says something crazy, which is, yeah, I've kept all the commandments. I'm like, dude, do not lie is in there. <laughs> like, don't covet is in there. Like, I'm, I, I, I'm on social media sometimes. Like, I can't even, I can't get through, like, a Thursday without breaking one of the Ten Commandments. But this guy, you know, he thinks he's done it. So he says, yeah, I followed all the commandments. So then Jesus says this to the rich young ruler in Luke 18. Uh, this is in your uh, teaching handout. When Jesus heard his answer... He said, there's still one thing you haven't done. Sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. It's brutal. Jesus, what do I have to do for eternal life? Jesus says, oh, no big one. Now, he doesn't say that to every person, but to this guy, he says, oh, there's just one, just a little side note. You've done the commandments, side note. Sell everything and give it to the poor. But when the man heard this, he became very sad, for he was very rich. When Jesus saw this, he said, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. 
In fact, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. This is a guy who, he's not living with wealth, he's living for wealth, and it causes him to walk away from Jesus. And it's easy to judge him, but I think most of us have one thing, and it may be money for you, but it may not. You have one thing that Jesus is like, oh yeah, you've done all that stuff, cool, cool, cool. There's just one thing that I want you to do that would cause us to pause and say, wow, I don't know if I could do that. But this guy's rich. For him, it's his riches. And so he can't walk away from that. He's not living with wealth. He's living for wealth. He misses Jesus. He doesn't have spiritual sight to see Jesus, the rich young ruler. And so he walks away because he wanted something more than Jesus. Now, that story is the setup for the story of Zacchaeus. And you've got to keep that in your mind and keep it connected, that how difficult it is for rich people to enter the kingdom of heaven. Let's look at Zacchaeus in chapter 19, starting in verse 1. We're going to listen in on the story. Verse 1, Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. Now, Jesus is in Jericho because he's on his way to Jerusalem. Jericho is about 18 miles from Jerusalem. And so everything that's about to happen in this story with Zacchaeus is when Jesus is 18 miles away from the cross. Like, he's, he's not just going to Jerusalem to see some old friends. He knows he's going to Jerusalem, and he's going to suffer, and he's going to die. And I think that makes this story really incredible, because if you were 18 miles away from your death, and you were walking towards it, would you be thinking about anything else? But Jesus is relentlessly loving towards people. So even in the midst of the hardest portion of Jesus' life on earth, he's thinking about other people. He's showing grace to other people. He is crashing into the middle of people's lives who don't expect him there and radically changing their lives. Okay. Verse 2, there was a man there named Zacchaeus. <clears throat> he was the chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich. Now, to say that Zacchaeus was hated is an understatement. It's not like this little joke about like, oh, Zacchaeus worked for the IRS. Who wouldn't hate him? Ha, ha, ha. No, it's like Zacchaeus, so, so the Roman army is occupying Palestine. Zacchaeus is taxing the residents of Palestine, giving the money to the Romans so that they can oppress them. So they hate him. And then we learn later in the story, on top of that, Zacchaeus is taking more money than what he is supposed to, and he's putting it in his pocket. So he's made himself very wealthy by stealing from people and by funding the oppressing army in Palestine of the Romans. So he is he's truly and deeply hated by people. So verse 3, he tried to get a look at Jesus. So I think this is so fascinating, right? Like he's heard about Jesus. He's a total crook, right? Like he, he's, like a, it's like a, it's, he's like something out of a mobster movie, He's a total crook, but he hears about Jesus, and he wants to go see Jesus. So um, it says he tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So there's where you get the wee little man. It's, it's totally biblical. And so verse 4, he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road because Jesus was going to pass that way. And, and I think it's interesting. Nobody led Zacchaeus through the crowd, and I think maybe no wonder. Like maybe nobody, you know, nobody wants to let Zacchaeus through the crowd. Nobody wants to let him see Jesus. So verse 5, when Jesus comes by, he looks up into the tree. Here's a little guy in a tree, and he calls him by name. Zacchaeus, he said. Now think about this for a second, because if you're Zacchaeus, and you're one of the, you're one of the biggest crooks in the entire state, 
and you are hated by everybody, and you're like, I just want to see Jesus, and there's this whole huge crowd of people, and Jesus is just walking by. He's like doing his thing. He's like healed, you know, and he's like walking by, and then he looks up in the tree, and he, up in the tree, and he goes, hey, you. I don't think Zacchaeus thinks this is going to go well for him. You know what I mean? It's like if you're sitting up in a tree, and Jesus is doing his thing, and he looks up, and he goes, hey, Adam. You're like, this, isn't good. this could not be a good thing. But it doesn't go the way that Zacchaeus expects. He says, quick, come down. I have to be a guest in your home today. Jesus just invites himself over. It's so unexpected. It's like, hey, you're throwing me a party. And I, I think as Christians, we're supposed to imitate Jesus, you know? It's like, hey, I'm coming over. We're having a party. And what he's really doing here is he's showing Zacchaeus grace. I mean, that's really what it is. This is grace, isn't it? He looks up at the most hated person he can find, and he says, let's party at your place. Let's hang out together. Let's be together. Let's, let, let, like, I want to create an environment where you can spend time in my presence, Zacchaeus. And the grace to Zacchaeus, I just can't even imagine what he's thinking, but we know what the crowd is thinking. Verse 6, uh, Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. So they go to his house, but the people, they're displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner. They grumbled because it's always hard when, when God shows grace to someone because it's not fair. And for some of you, that's a really big deal because you're fair people and you know who you are. You know, it's like you're just, your justice meter is a 10 all the time. And you're thinking about it, You're like, that's not fair. Why? And, it, it, you know, when you were a little kid, those were your three favorite words. It's not fair. And now that you're an adult, you still look around and you think that's not fair. And the way God treats people sometimes, you go, it's not fair. And so Jesus, who's showing grace to Zacchaeus, and it's hard to see. And sometimes that what, that's what makes Pharisees out of us. A Pharisee is, is just a person who is uh, more, concerned, um, more concerned with God's fairness than they are with God showing grace. So Zacchaeus, we said, he climbs down, he takes Jesus to his house. And I think it's so beautiful when Jesus comes into Zacchaeus' life, he's not judging, he's not condemning. You would think that'd be how he would start, but he doesn't. He doesn't want to school Zacchaeus, he doesn't lecture him. He doesn't say, hey, sinner in the tree. No, he just says, come on, let's go to your house. He eats with him, which is a sign of friendship and fellowship. And when they spend time together, it has just the absolute most profound effect on Zacchaeus. Verse 8, meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord. Now, this wasn't 40 days. This was probably like 40 minutes. Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half of my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Now, this is so cool. Rich young ruler walks away from Jesus because he loves his money more than he loves Jesus. Zacchaeus, and Jesus says, like, it's so hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven that it's harder, it, it, that it's harder for that to happen than for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. That can only happen when God's involved. Jesus says, with God, all things are possible. And here's Zacchaeus, who, who in 40 minutes learns to love Jesus and walks away from his wealth. The rich young ruler was spiritually blind. Zacchaeus has his eyes spiritually opened. Because why? Just because Jesus showed him grace and crashed into his life in grace. And it, it just profoundly transforms him. The grace of God is the thing that changes you deeply on a heart level. 
And the fact, you know, the fact that we just went through this whole ordeal with the rich young ruler shows you that this isn't just, man, Zacchaeus is a really smart guy who really got it. No, it's, this is God's miraculous work in his life. This is with God, all things are possible. This is God has shown him grace, and that is what has changed him. And so you, you and I, we have to put ourselves in a position where we are receiving the grace of God, where we're in the presence of Jesus, and we can, we can, we can, we can, experience his grace and feel his grace and respond to his grace. And that's where change comes from, is from responding to God's grace. Zacchaeus, uh, God's grace makes him repent from sin. And you know that he's repenting because uh, he makes restitution for the wrong that he's done. You can tell he wants Jesus more than money. You can tell that Jesus has changed his priorities. He's not living for wealth. He's living for Jesus. And his wealth becomes a tool that he has at his disposal to live for Jesus. So Jesus wraps this whole thing up in verse 9. Jesus responds to Zacchaeus' heart declaration of repentance by saying, salvation has come to this home today. And, and, and you know, Jesus says, for the, for the sake of the crowds that are, or the people, the dinner guests, he says, salvation has come to this home. But we can see, like reading the whole story, what, who's actually come to the home? Jesus has come to the home. Like, who came to this house today? Jesus came to this house today. That's why salvation comes to the home. And he says, for this man has shown himself to be a, a true son of Abraham. For the son of man, that's Jesus referring to himself, came to seek and to save those who are lost. When you spend time with Jesus, you come away changed. That's our, the last blank in the notes there. It says, no one who spends time with Jesus comes away unchanged. And the question for you and for me is if Jesus could do this work in Zacchaeus' life in 40 minutes, what could he do in your life over the next 40 days? That's the idea behind 40 days with Jesus. Now, what I want, what I want to do for the rest of our time together today is I, I want to explain 40 days with Jesus and give you an opportunity to be involved in it. Right? There's, we, we put it together, there's four different elements of 40 days with Jesus. And the more of these you can add to your life, the more you can be with Jesus and be meditating on him and thinking about him and surrounding yourself with people who are on the same journey, the more deeply God will change your life. But it's really up to you whether you want to make these commitments or not. We're not going to check in on this. We don't like, you know, there's no, there's no uh, 40 days with Jesus commitment police. That'd be weird, you know. This is for you, and you can decide. But I want to walk you through the different components of 40 Days with Jesus that starts next Sunday. So um, what I'd like for you to do uh, is, in your teaching notes, there's the four commitments. And in your, on your connection card, there's a place for you to check the boxes for these commitments if you're willing to make them. And you can drop that connection card in the basket when it comes around. So go ahead and pull that out. And I know some of you are guests and you're really hesitant to fill out a connection card. Like, I get that. Use the, you, you know, at first, you can use the email that you use for all of your spam. So like, and then once you get to know us and trust us, you can give us your real email. Is that fair? I know you do. I do it too. It's okay. So here's the four components to 40 Days with Jesus. And I, I want you to know that we have been praying for you, our staff team, our groups team, myself, Nicole. Uh, we, we've been praying for you, the, the guys that are in the elder track that we're about to vote on them becoming elders in our church soon, in our, in our, in our upcoming members meet. We've been praying for you. Our ministry leaders have been praying for you um, that these things will change your life, that God will use them. So here's the, first, here's the four commitments for the next 40 days I commit to. Um, the first thing is attend on Sundays. Because starting next Sunday, 
we have six teaching messages from the life of Jesus. A very wise person once said this, discipleship starts with attendance. Like, if you want to grow as a disciple of Jesus, step number one, you got to show up. And I know that sounds obvious, and it is obvious, but if you don't, it's hard to become like Jesus if you don't spend time with his people. My mother, uh, my mother is always, and I, she's a great mom, but she is always on my case about not showing up at the Kirk family reunion. Now, in my defense, it's always uh, in September in Mississippi. And so I'm like, I, I can't, I don't, I don't even, I don't, I can't, I can't get there. I'm sorry, you know? And, you know, the Kirks, they're, they're really, they're really, really, really great people. But I just don't, I don't go to the family reunion. I don't spend time with them. And I, there's no real, I wish I, I, wish I wanted to, but I, I just, I don't. Because you know who I feel like is my real family? It's actually the people from this church. Like, this is my family away from family. This is my spiritual family. We have people who are a part of this church who have been a part of it for three, four, five, six years who have been with us. And it's like, these are people that I will charge the gates of hell with. These are the people I want to go on vacation with. Like, these are the people that, like, if God forbid something should ever happen to us, I want them to raise our kids. Right? These are the people that if God called me to a foreign mission, I would, say, I would say, I'll go. I want them with me. Because these are my brothers and sisters, Right? There's power when we get together on Sunday mornings. It is a spiritual family reunion. And the people that you are with shape your life so deeply. There's a power to hearing a hundred sermons. You understand that? Like, I know that any, any single sermon I preach is like, okay. But there's a power to just hearing over and over about Jesus. And, and make no mistake about it, the Bible says that when you're gathered together, Jesus is with his people. You know, some people prefer uh, churches that have a really large attendance. Some people prefer churches that have a really small attendance. But can I tell you, for churches, the attendance number that really matters, it's two. Jesus says, where two or more are gathered, there I am with them. It's like when, when the people of Jesus gather together, Jesus is there. So if you want to spend time with Jesus, you gather together. Hebrews 10.25 is kind of the verse about this in the New Testament. It says this, And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Don't neglect meeting together. Like, we need each other. We need to be encouraged with one another. We're like, we need to put courage into each other. Like, man, follow Jesus in this city. It's hard to follow Jesus in the city. Like, it's hard to walk into an environment where everyone's a scientist, everybody has a materialistic worldview, and you're like, I believe that the guy's coming back on a horse in the sky. And they're all looking at you like, dude, what is the matter with you? Like, we've got to get together to encourage each other to follow Jesus hard until the day of his return. And that's what happens here. We can't neglect it. We can't neglect it because when we neglect meeting together, we neglect our spiritual passion. So don't be some people, like it says in the verse, be an encourager. Be that person who on Sunday, when you see them, it makes their whole week brighter. That's why during 40 days, we're teaching through the life of Jesus so you can, you can encounter Jesus. You can see these stories. These stories of Jesus can come alive in your life for six weeks straight. And so what would it look like for you over the next 40 days to make meeting here on Sundays a priority? What would it look like? Would you, need to, um, would you need to switch work schedules around for these 40 days? Would you need to go to bed early on Saturdays? You know, whatever it takes, that whatever it takes attitude to get here together. Now, if you're traveling, like, I get it. I get it. Um, but what would it look like to make Jesus a weekly focus for the next 40 days? That's the first commitment. Here's the second one. 
to journal through the book of Luke every day. The second commitment of 40 days of Jesus that you can add to your life. Now, this is something actually that we're really, really proud of. Um, uh, Ken Gilming, who's, um, he, has, he has two functions at this church. One is that he is the community group coach for this semester, and the other one is that he is the world's greatest father-in-law to me. And um, but Penn, uh, some, of you, some of you just know him as like the friendliest guy in the entire church, but he's actually preaching at another church in another state in, in, in Albany today because Ken was a pastor for 30 years. Um, and then he taught at a Christian college. And so Ken put together 40 days of journal entries where you'll read through the book of Luke. And for some of you, this will be your, your chance to read through an entire gospel of Jesus' life end to end. And the gospel of Luke is the one that's organized chronologically. So you get to read from the beginning of Jesus' life and the birth of Jesus all the way through his teachings, his miracles, his death, his resurrection. And for some of you, that'll be the first time you've ever gone through that. And in the journal each day, there's a, a prayer for you to pray a section of Luke for you to read, one question or maybe two questions for you to journal on in the space, and then an action step for you to prayerfully consider in your life. And I just think, you know, the the goal of this is that it would start a, a habit of daily Bible reading and prayer in your life because when you're there with Jesus, it is transformative. Um. Hebrews 4.12 talks about the word of God this way. It says, the word of God is alive and powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. It cuts between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Um, Ken, who wrote this, likes to say that the Bible is the only book that when you read it, the author shows up. I know, right? So good. So good. It's a little cheesy for me, but when he says it, man, it's like powerful, you know? And I just think, you know... If you want to spend time with Jesus, if you want to really make these 40 days count, then every day you've got to be with Jesus. You've got to set aside that time. You have to slow down for loving union with your heavenly father, to be with Jesus, to receive from Jesus. And some of you are so busy and you're so hectic and things are, you're grinding so much. Your life is so full of anxiety they are missing out on the, the most fundamental piece of what it means to know God and have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, and that is that you can just be with him. Jesus says, if you abide in me, you will produce much fruit. And abide means to just kind of rest in the presence of Jesus, to be deeply connected to him. And some of you, it's like you're not deeply connected to him. You're eating grapes off of somebody else's vine. <laughs> You know, like you're showing up on Sunday morning saying like, you know, you know, pastor, I hope that you have a deep relationship with God because I'm just going to kind of, I'm going to kind of uh, coast off of your relationship with God. But God's, God's heart for you is that you are deeply connected to him. And he says that when you abide in Christ, you produce much fruit. Much fruit, right? It's like your love for other people, your ability to help other people know and follow Jesus. All of that comes from your connection to the Father, the word of God, when you spend time with, it, with God through his word, according to Hebrews, gets down into the deep places in your soul. It divides between soul and spirit. It says it exposes what is innermost in your life. The word of God will reveal to you what you don't reveal to other people. The Bible will expose the thoughts that you keep concealed in public. And when the Bible brings those things to the surface, you can face them, you can confess them, and then you can receive help to change. Listen to this verse about um, the power of God's word from Isaiah. 
Isaiah 50, 55, 11, God says, it is the same with my word. I send it out and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to and it will prosper everywhere I send it. And so when you get God's word into your life, God will accomplish in your life what he desires to through his word. But you have to be in the presence of his word. It means God's word is working in your life even when you don't feel it. Even on days when you feel like it's a slog and you're like, I don't want to do this. It feels like going to the gym today. I got to get up. I got to do it. God is still working through his word. And that's why we created this 40 days journal. That's why Nicole did all the work to put these together. That's why Ken did all the work to write these. And I hope that you'll pick this up on the way out the door today so that next Sunday you can start with this. If you're willing to make that commitment, I want you to write that down on your connection card today. Each one, of these, uh, each one of these components of 40 Days with Jesus has a box on your connection card. Because we want to pray for you. We want to make sure you have the resources that you need. And remember, it starts next Sunday. All right, the third component is to join a 40 Days with Jesus group study. All of the community groups in the church, everybody's doing this. Our goal is 100% participation. That if you're a part of this church, if you're an attender at this church, that you're doing a 40 Days with Jesus study group. Um, now, where do we get this from? You know, in the early church, they did, they did large group gatherings and they did small group gatherings in Acts 2.46. It says, they worship together at the temple each day. Now, you think like, man, mega churches, so unbiblical. Well, you know, there were 3,000 people meeting at the temple every day in Jerusalem. It was the world's first mega church. <laughs> they were meeting together in the temple each day. That's the large group gathering. And then look at what else they did. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper. That's the small group gathering. And they shared their meals with great joy and generosity. So there's large group and there's small group, and all of our groups together are going through 40 days with Jesus. We have some people who are hosting groups independently, but like our goal is 100% participation because if you're only going to make one commitment, I mean, I, I, I thought about this deeply, but I think if you're, only gonna wanna, if you're only going to make one commitment, I would say this is the one you should do because you need other people in your life pouring into you who are on the same journey that you are because you are a reflection of your five closest relationships, And so you need these people in your life helping you along, encouraging you, challenging you, pushing you along, holding you accountable. Like if you do the 40 Days with Jesus journal, but you don't don't have anybody else holding you accountable or sharing it with anybody else, it's so easy to fall off. But when you have people, things change. I believe that God wants you to study his word and apply it to your life. Groups are where you take what you hear on Sunday morning and you apply it and you discuss it. I mean, so many times, haven't you, haven't you had that experience, I know I have, where you're sitting in church, you're sitting in rows, and you think, man, I'd like to ask that guy a question about that. I don't know about that. Well, you know what? You can't raise your hand. People do it. I mean, we've had, we've had our experiences in our church where people ask questions in the middle of the sermon. I used to do middle school ministry. They would ask anything at any time. But, you know, you want to, right? And so it's like groups is that place where you can actually process this information in a study group. That's why they say uh, circles are better than rows. It's also where you know people. It's also where you you live out those biblical commands that it has for Christians that you're supposed to love one another and care for one another, those kinds of things. You might be worried that you can't come to every single group, but it's still better to come, even if if you're going to miss a week or two, to be with people who are on the same journey. You might think that you're too busy right now. Listen, if your life is so busy that you think you can't carve out an hour and a half out of the week, and let me just tell you, you probably need to carve out an hour and a half every week as a discipline to push pause 
and say, I'm going to let my soul breathe. I'm going to be with other people. I'm going to eat with other people. I'm going to focus on God. If you're that busy, then you desperately need to be in a group in your life to push pause on purpose. These groups, um, these groups refocus you on Christ in the middle of the week. And uh, if you've never been to one before, um, you come. We, uh, we catch up on the week and how things are going. We catch up on prayer requests. We have an icebreaker question where somebody asks you something silly, like, if you could only be one imaginary animal, what would you be? That's not, a, not really, but um, it's an icebreaker question. We have a Bible teaching. It's a video that, that, um, that I present that's it's like seven or eight minutes of Bible study. Then we have questions, and you'll be able to hold these questions in your hands in advance. And because some of you are, are slow processors, you're very, very smart people, but you want to see the questions. We've got the questions for you so you can think about it. And then when you show up, you're going to seem really, really deep, you know? <laughs> Um, and then we take prayer requests. You don't have to share if you don't want to, but I hope that you will because you get out of it what you put into it. And you don't have to pray out loud, but I hope that you will, right? Because I want you to grow. So we've got studies happening all around the city. Um, we, need some, we need another person to open up an apartment in Back Bay because we have enough people to start another group right now. And if you're like, I don't know that I can lead this group, but I can open my apartment, then we'll help you this week Next week, when we do our first study together, I'll have a leader in your apartment, and we can get it going. So how do you do that? You can sign up today for a group. We've got the community group catalog. It's got the numbers in it. You write the number of the group on your connection card, and you're in a group. And we have a meet and greet in the back of the service today. I, I, I want to meet you. Uh, I think my wife, Heather, is going to be back there with me. Are you? She is. She is now. And... Um, <laughs> And some of the group leaders are going to be back there as well, because for some of you, you want to meet us and figure out like whether we're weird people or not before you show up in our home. So we would love to meet you and, and get connected over that. So if you're willing to do that, check that off in your connection card. Here's the fourth thing, the final thing, and then we'll be done, is memorize a verse each week. Um, back there by the journals, we put together six memory verse cards for you, each one about Jesus that ties in with the themes on Sunday morning. You might think you're good at memorization, or maybe you don't. Most of us have outsourced our memory to our phones. But you do need the word of God in your heart. It will help you fight temptation. It will help you share about Jesus with others, and it will build your knowledge of God. Jesus had God's word memorized. When you cut him, he bled scripture. In fact, when he was tested in the wilderness by Satan, Matthew 4, 4, uh, Satan tempts him, and this is how Jesus responds. Jesus told him, no, the scriptures say... People do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Scripture was in Jesus' heart. It was on Jesus' lips. And if you want to be like your Savior, you have to memorize Scripture. So we put together these memory cards for you, and I want you to pick them up today. If you're willing to make that commitment, check it off on your box. If you want some help with that, I'll post about it on the blog this week in terms of how you can actually memorize things if you need a little bit of help actually doing that. So those are the four commitments. And I want you to consider adding as many of those to your life as you feel like you can make, because the more of them you make, the more deeply Jesus will change you. All right, I want to invite the worship team to come back up at this time. And as they do, um, I thought it would be helpful for you uh, as a church for me to share with you just a little bit personally about, um, about where I'm at. I, I, I mentioned this in the beginning of the sermon, that I've been having a hard time with faith lately. It's not, it's not that I've been having a hard time in faith that God exists or that Jesus is, Jesus is the son of God and that he loves us. I have absolute rock-solid faith in that. But I have struggled to have a big, bold faith lately. 
I can't manufacture it. I don't want to. Um, but I do have faith, and I, and I have faith that Jesus is good. And you know what I'm, you, you know what I'm learning, and I, I, I don't want to pretend like I've got everything figured out enough, that that's enough faith. Like, if you, if you can believe that Jesus is good and he's going he's gonna, to he's gonna be good to you, then that's enough. And maybe, maybe, maybe you don't have to have a big, bold faith all the time because God says, you know, if you've got faith the size of a mustard seed, it's like he can use that. Like, if you have enough faith to say, I want to get to Jesus, and I, can I just, if I could just get to Jesus and just be with Jesus, then we'll let God move the mountains. And that's, that's where I'm at. And so for me, 40 days with Jesus is going to be a time for myself, too, to just run to Jesus, to say, like, God, I don't know if I, I, I don't know that I have the big, bold faith that I need, but I just have enough faith to get to Jesus. And I want to, I want to, I want to invite you to come with me, wherever you're at on that journey of faith. If you have this much faith, enough faith to say, you know, if I spend time with Jesus, I bet God would change my life. That's enough faith. And so I want to invite you on this journey with me, and I just feel like, um, you know, I feel like God's going to use it. I feel like God's going to use it to renew our faith together, to help us become more like Christ, and maybe to do a new work deep in our soul.